Just lob Barnhart a grapefruit and let her run her mouth for an hour and 45 minutes. Today is Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023. Time for episode 200 of the Barnhart Podcast. And have we really done 200 episodes? It, it, it seems I like know, it has it doesn't seem like it's been that long. No, no. I remember I remember thinking when we recorded number 100, hmm, I wonder where we'll all be and <laughs> what we'll be doing and what will have happened by the time we get to number 200. And here we are, and a lot has happened. A lot of, lot of water under the bridge, a lot of changes, a lot of upgrades, but we persist. Here we are. Upgrades is a big one. And, and I remember the, the very first podcast we up, uh, that we recorded, I had whatever microphone I had at the time, and I thought I had the, had this all set up. And then, much to my horror, when I listened back to the recording, I realized I wasn't going through the microphone that I thought I was. I was going through the ambient microphone yeah. on the laptop. It was still <laughs> sufficiently audible. Exactly. I mean, it, it worked. And then the second one, I, I got it right. And I've, I've made some other mistakes along the lines. But the way the current setup is that if you can't hear me at all, that's because I've got the audio set up so bad that it's not going to. But can hear me it's going through decent devices and yeah that's one of the big differences between when we first started and, and now is is the level of hardware is, is definitely in, improved it's not i didn't go crazy spending money on that uh, but i definitely improved a lot yeah. on on obsessing about the uh, the quality of the audio and, and getting it as clean as possible still using free software to edit this I, i've tried a couple of times to switch to uh, the adobe edit audio editing program i, I took a try at learning reaper but honestly, Audacity just does what I need. I can get it done quickly, and it works. And on and, and at the yeah. end of the day, if you can hear it and it, that it's a, a clean recording, and especially switching to the microphone you've got now and the system we're using for recording, uh, which is clean feed, mm -hmm. so we're recording right off the internet. Uh, Ann and I are not in the same room; never have been. And uh, nope. it, it's still it was hilarious listening to a recording this morning, and we'll get to this a little bit later. Uh, back in, in in episode ten days. Uh, back zero one zero, we're at two zero zero now. Yeah, <laughs> that um, listening to it now, I'm kind of cringing at the difference in audio quality. But you know, we were limited. We were using Skype at the time, and and uh, there were you know you can't do the same things with the, with that uh, software that we can do right now. So big difference in the audio, and hopefully the hopefully the production has gotten a little bit better, or not not just the production, but uh, the delivery on my end, because I remember being so nervous and having no idea. Uh, what to do and being certain that I was not going to be able to carry a podcast and come to find out pretty much all I need to do is introduce a topic and just sit back. <laughs> just lob Barnhart a grapefruit and let her run her mouth for an hour and 45 minutes. It's, it's kind of an easy gig, I, I have to say. So <laughs> no, you do a great job and it, this wouldn't be happening without you. So many, many, many thanks and look forward to the next 200 episodes. And many thanks to all the uh, supporters who, who have sent in donations to the Barnhart podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, to Super Nerd Media, I should say, over the years, allowing me to upgrade the hardware, buying hardware for you, not just the microphone, but also the, the laptop you're on. Um, so that was something mm -hmm. that at the end of last year needed to be upgraded. Uh, I think your, your laptop had essentially died. And so got that one upgraded. Yeah. Um, my laptop is, it's working for now, <laughs> even though the show was delayed starting by 15 minutes because... Uh, I was running it through upgrades uh, accidentally, but uh, no, this the, it, it still works for now. It, it's something I want to replace at some point, but it's there's nothing time critical about it. It's 
it's the next one on my list to, to upgrade. But I think the audio is fine here. And and um, and we've been able, from from the slush fund, we've been able to hook um, our our remote our remote our remote friends up with microphones, haven't we? That's true. We got uh, one bought for pretty much everyone. Everyone except for Dr. Mazza, because uh, just the way he operates, he kind of needs a headset. Yeah. But we got him a real nice head, headset, didn't we? We did, yeah. Yeah, we, we've hooked up the remote guests. We've hooked up a uh, temporary guest in one case who didn't have a headset. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. We, uh, also, the, you refer to it as the slush fund, but the, the Super Nerd Fund is also paying for hosting. So not only your website mm-hmm. and, and my website as well, but uh, uh, Nurse Claire's new website, um, mm-hmm. Latin Mass Live, and uh, several other projects. If you go to supernerdmedia.com, you can see some of them that it's financing. Uh, the Carmelite, Phil- the Philadelphia Carmelites. Uh, they have they have a blog that uh, is currently being hosted. Um, well, actually, I'm I'm an admin on that. I'm not technically paying for that, but I'm an admin on it. So I, I shouldn't I shouldn't list that I shouldn't list that one as, as something that's being funded out of the slush fund. But yeah, no, no, nobody's say, paying me the admin. Let's put it that way. Right, right. And we have to say thank you to everyone for um, getting your YouTube channel over over a thousand and that happened within 24 hours everybody came right through because you're looking at doing some um what some streaming situations and things like that yeah i had that on the end of my show notes list here or or agenda list but we can talk about it now december 9th dr maz is gonna be doing a webinar titled is the pope catholic it's given the person who's uh claimed to be the pope right now that's a that's a good question but uh we've we've arrived on a solution for um, streaming and technology in terms of, of uh, how we're going to do this. We're going to live stream it through the Super Nerd Media YouTube channel and cross our fingers and pray that YouTube doesn't cut off the stream halfway through for some reason. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, too, it's too big of a response so far. That's uh, People have signed up for it to go through uh, Dr. Maza's uh, platform that he's using for doing online classes. So we're going to be doing yeah. this where, um, We're in the I, many, many hundreds now, aren't we? I want to say it's over 500. I haven't checked with them recently, yeah. but it, it's it's getting up there. And um, it, it's it's something where um, Dr. Maza, it, he he's great at putting the content together and arranging a lot of stuff, but you know he's 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 not the he's not a technologist. That that's mm-hmm. that's where I come in. So uh, I think the way we're going to do this is I'm going to literally run the uh, the live stream going out to YouTube. Since I've got the mm-hmm. gigabit Ethernet connection uh, straight into the internet at, the, at this point, so I've got the most stable, fastest connection there. And then I'll be I'll be the producer impresario behind the scenes, um, queuing Dr. Maza. Okay, go ahead and start the show and and um, doing the the live stream switching. Um, one of the guests is is, is joining by a, a pre recorded video, and um, it's going to be some fun production work. Uh, fortunately, I, I know somebody locally who who uses some of the same software, and I've I've talked through the uh, idea of what I want to do. And fortunately, the answer was was not along the lines of "you're totally crazy, that won't work." He's like, "Hmm, sounds good." So that was encouraging. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, prayers for that. Remember, it's um it's the ninth of December, ninth of December, and it should be goodness. It's going to be half a dozen speakers and then a round table, I think. So this thing's going to be five, six hours long. Um, and then will it all be available after the fact on YouTube and, and elsewhere? 
it's going to be available after the fact, but I'm, I think Dr. Mazda said he wants to sell access to the video. So I don't think it's going to be freely available. And we have not exactly figured out uh, how that's going to happen. I've been looking into some different alternatives and options and whatnot, but uh, there are... It's free to sign up for the live event, though. Um, correct, correct, correct. Yeah, okay, okay. But cool. in, ter in terms of access to, or how you can get access to it afterwards, that has not been figured out yet. I, I don't know... Like I said, I haven't figured out exactly how it's going to work. And if anybody's ever done anything like that, selling a video after the fact, um, by the, all means, hit me up, email at supernerdmedia.com and tell me what you know, because uh, I greatly appreciate that. All right, cool. The last thing I want to do is, is after this is all over, to have Dr. Mazza want, want to take me to Dealey Plaza and shoot me from the six-story uh, window or something <laughs> because I screwed things up. <laughs> yeah, that Dr. Mazza, well, actually, he's he is quite the fan of the Godfather series. So, you know, you can't be too careful with those types. Well, and 60 years ago today was the day that um, John F. Kennedy Jr. or no, John F. Kennedy Sr. was uh, uh, murdered, assassinated. Ah, uh, yes, same, indeed. Same, yep. same verb or same result, different verbs. And that, of course, that happened in Dealey Plaza in, in Dallas. And uh, there was all kinds, there's all kinds of allegations uh, in every direction, the the mob is one one angle. So that that's something where maybe mm -hmm. Dr. Mazza could uh, opine on that at some point in the future. But it is the big murder mystery that uh, will never go away because I don't think uh, anybody's ever going to find out really what happened. Because I think the one thing we know for sure is the government was involved somehow. Whether they were covering it up, were embarrassed that they thought they had the mob under control and didn't. There are a million different conspiracy theories going going around. Well, more and more has come out. Um, there's a couple of people that are getting old enough and who are, it's been nagging on their conscience. And um, the the entire magic bullet theory has been completely and totally uh, blown out of the water. Some guy came forward who was who was in the emergency room and said, oh, no, 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 that's all, that's all completely fabricated. So... Um, I'll, I'll, that's, that's a whole rabbit hole. Maybe we could put a link in the show notes to something about that. But, um, um, you know, with the passage of time, you know, more and more will come out. Um, the Warren Commission, I think, has been proven to be, to be a, a, a dishonest, um, enterprise from the get-go. So, and people are, just with what's happened over the past, what's it been? Well, basically, since the advent of Obama, I would say, you know, 15 years or so, I think people are just, in general, much more open to the to the fact and the reality of the the dishonesty and, and malignancy of the government. Whereas, even even 15 years ago, I think a lot of people just weren't to the place yet where they could admit how evil the American government is. And, um, well, a lot, especially over the course of the last four years, I think a lot of eyes have been open to that. So, good. It will all come to light, as our Lord said in the Gospels. It will all be shouted from the rooftops eventually. But you're right, a lot of it will have to wait until the general judgment to know exactly what happened. Yeah, I, even if even if for somehow we had a change in government, I still think it, it that change would be an inside job one way or another. And, and the archives on what really happened in, in Dallas that day will be sealed until the end of time. There, there are just mm -hmm. too many powerful people with powerful secrets to cover up something. I was listening to a, a sports podcast earlier today and uh, one of the co-hosts, uh, the guy used to be a general manager for the, um, the Patriots. 
And he has a, a really interesting uh, side hobby of, of wanting to learn and read everything related to the JFK assassination and something I'd never heard of before that definitely points to the fact that there was a, a network of people who knew what was about to go down. But uh, two days prior to the assassination, some guy, I, I forget who it was, I just remember he had three names, walks into a, a bank in, um, in El Paso, Texas, fires two or three rounds into the ceiling, puts his gun down calmly and waits to be arrested. And the whole point is he wanted to be clearly someplace else, clearly under police custody, so they couldn't pin the Patsy role on him. Mm-hmm. So they had to find another guy with three names to go do this. And I, I don't know yeah. what it is with, with, with notorious criminals and three names. I mean, obviously they, they, they pin this uh, on, on the lone shooter. Uh, the, the MLK shooter was uh, James Earl Ray. I think it might just be a fact that Lee Oswald started being referred to using his middle name as well, that James Ray started being referred to using his middle name. I mean, it's, it would be like if I came to international, international fame and infamy and people started referring to me as Anne Elizabeth Barnhart, you know, and just that, that's just what it turned into. Um, most of us have three names. It's rare that people don't have a middle name anymore. Um, I suspect that's probably what happened. Um, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think people on in, in, in his day to day life <clears throat> referred to, to Oswald as Lee Harvey. Um, one of the, it's funny, a se- here's a segue, one of the only people I can think of right now, um, that we all know that we're familiar with that does have that does have two names is John Henry Weston. That's about the only one. And that's, I think John Henry is, is hyphenated even. So that's about the only one I can think of. That's like John Luke. It's really one name. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the romance languages, they, they are literally run together as one name. Yeah. So, so that's two names. John Henry, he's not, he's not a villain. Um, yeah, the, no, the proper John Henry is not a villain. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Now, to to be a proper villain, you've got to have three separate names, like, say, for example, Gary Michael Voris. I mean, that's that's an example where you've got a three name. Ooh, ooh. Do, we, do we want to go there or not? I mean, it, that's probably well, the most emailed thing in the last, um, well, in the last week, is, to be yeah. honest. I mean, in the last day for sure. But um, that's that's big news. And I guess what I would open with um, is I would recommend that everyone go over and read Father Z's piece on that. And here's a here's a timestamp and put this in the show notes. Um, Father Z wrote up just a very good, very thoughtful piece on all of this that I would recommend that everybody read. And speaking of John Henry, John Henry Weston uh, made a video that was, you know, gracious and Christian and, you know, not just luxuriating and rolling around in the dirt of of Voris's downfall. Um, so I, I have a few thoughts, um, but we're not going to do the thing where we're just luxuriating in this because it's absolutely horrific. Now, yes, there was some very, 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 very bad behavior on the part of people at church militant and church militant i think everybody pretty much agrees that it's just gone down the tubes it wasn't too long ago who was it who said um what don't i don't know anybody who looks at church militant anymore and i remember that we amongst ourselves in our little chit chat um (laughs) i made the point i hadn't been on that website in just eons and eons hadn't been over there to look for anything 
it looks like a it looks like a cheap tabloid gossip site the layout of it it's just it's an ugly website it looks trashy um which is it's weird that's kind of hard to do but they've managed to do it it looks like some sort of a tmz or or some sort of hollywood or reality television gossip website it's it's just awful and like i said i don't think anybody's looking at it anymore they've really burned all of their bridges and that that's another thing about the the whole revelation about you know voris and niles getting fired and all that is that uh the revelation that they've got more than 40 40 people on on the payroll full time now i'm no math genius but if you assume super duper lowball annual salary of 25,000 a year and i i know that's that's way too low but 25,000 a year times 40 is 1 million that how, how in the world does an outfit like that have a million dollar payroll um so that right there tells you something's terribly wrong and i i don't know if any of the board members or anybody involved with church militant is going to be is ever going to listen to this but man my advice and take it for what it's worth is cut your losses liquidate now i mean you you don't have any hope of of turning that thing it's it's so poisoned now and all the bridges have been burned and you're too overextended don't keep trying to dig your way out you're you're not going to get out of this hole the best thing everyone involved with that thing can do is just shut it down and walk away and everybody gets on with their lives would that it were that it were that it were a feasible viable entity that could continue on doing some sort of good work but it's it's just too far gone and th this is this is just business 101 sometimes you just have to cut your losses walk away and completely reboot and everybody needs to just move on and that's the case here it seems to me both from the you know the spiritual point of view um and from the business point of view it's just it got overextended that's very typical narcissists tend to do this they tend to overextend and you know bigger 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 more 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 growth 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 and it's it's so unhealthy that you're not going to have any success with begging for money nor should you expect to um the fact that it got as out of control as it did um the fact that red red flags were not heated and worn were not heated and act upon apparently um it's just let it go let the whole thing go and go when when i say go away especially especially to Voris and niles the best thing that those two people can do spiritually for themselves if they're serious about healing if they're serious about repentance is they need to just go away and i don't mean that in the hateful sense of go away i mean it in the sense of get off of the internet get out of the public eye you don't you don't get to do that anymore okay 
it's clear that that they can't handle it, that they couldn't handle it. And it's just, it's not, it didn't work. Don't try to go clawing your way back into the limelight. And I got to get my face back on the internet and blah, blah, blah. No, please, for the love of God and for your own good, just go away. Do something else. Get other employment. I don't know if Voris is old enough to be on Social Security yet or, or what his estate even looks like at this point. Um, Niles is, I guess, an attorney, so she could conceivably get work doing something. I mean, get get a job doing like real estate law or something like that. Last I checked, she doesn't have an active um, bar license anywhere. Uh, okay, well. And, and by saying last time I checked, it, it was talking with uh, somebody I know who was, uh, let's say, aggressively persecuted by those two. Mm, well, the best thing that, that any of them can do is just go away. Um, it's the public limelight and the public eye just doesn't work for them. Satan got to them. Don't go diving back in to that which, you know, is clearly unhealthy for you. I mean, it's 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 almost analogous to, to Voris's situation of apparently getting back into the sodomite lifestyle and diving back into that. No, you can't do that. You can't hang around with that. You can't be around that. And that's that's always been a big problem. And, you know, in the early days, I didn't understand this. I've never been to Detroit. I don't know anything about Detroit. Ferndale is a gay ghetto. It's a it's a gay suburb enclave of Detroit. Okay. Why in the world was this was Voris located there? Why do you go set up your your shop, buy a house, do all this stuff in the middle of a gay ghetto enclave if you're trying to get away from that. And it's just, the whole thing has been a mess. E. Michael Jones wrote a book in 2016, I believe, 15 or 16, um, that uh, he kind of was hanging around them and he wrote an expose book. And in retrospect, it's I don't know. It's it's E. Michael Jones, and it's kind of, you know, it's E. Michael Jones, but but it's got it's got information in it that now at this point um, seems seems germane, and there were all kinds of signs, and I think everybody knows that there was there were all kinds of signs. I mean, the Vorce change radically changing his appearance, and and all of that. It was just big red flags going up the flagpole it's um it's it's just no good and we all should have known and the fact that i don't know they got on these these crusades and yes absolutely um we'll put the 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 link um and we'll we'll even queue it up to the point in episode 10 episode 10 of the barnhart podcast which was recorded in 2017 in which I talk about my interactions that I had with with Voris and Church Militant in early 2012, because I paid for him to come to Denver. Listening to that whole episode is worthwhile, because and, and I listened to that uh, this morning when I when I was on my way to to work, my one day a week that I actually go work in the office, which was awesome because there's nobody there. It was really quiet. But anyway, so I, I listened to episode 10 again, and we talked about the the ramming of the Fitzgerald. And, and that's a current topic again, yes. because we were talking about just blanket incompetence in the military. And that's 
that's a very timely topic again. Uh, we talked about, um, it was a case where a couple of, of, um, of sodomite uh, seminarians were kicked out of a seminary. And as soon as they were gone, all of the dissension, all of the um, persecution and, and, and feeling like walking on eggshells was gone. And it, yep. it you, you mentioned that this is, this is uh, something uh, in, in the realm of diabolical narcissists. When these people go away and in, in the sense of just absenting themselves from the scene, hopefully mm-hmm. to better their spiritual life. But when they go away, a lot of problems go with them. And so hopefully, yep, exactly. hopefully this can, hopefully this, this can be a, a first step toward a lot of healing. And there are some people online who are saying some pretty nasty things right about now. Yeah. And they are confusing the terms of prudence and charity, or maybe they don't understand them completely. Uh, some people who are outright celebrating what has happened to Voris and Niles. Hey, look, it's great when people who are doing evil uh, lose the means to do so. Um, but yeah. that doesn't mean you yeah. dance on the grave and whatnot. And then other people are saying, well, you have to be so um, proactive in forgiving them. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm not opposed to forgiving somebody, but if they have been aggressive in attacking somebody to the point of trying mm-hmm. to literally make it impossible for them to earn a living. Live, yeah. And support their family. Yeah. Yep. I can be Absolutely. willing to forgive you, but you still need to apologize. Yeah. And I don't think they've ever it's done that. It's the same that. with our Lord. I mean, this is this is the heresy that Bergoglio, that Antipope Bergoglio keeps spewing. He's literally told um, priests and seminarians, give absolution to anyone who comes into the confessional, even if they explicitly say that they are not sorry and they have no intention of stopping what they're doing. Give, give absolution to everyone. That is... That is a complete attack upon the infinite perfect justice of our lord um if you're if you're not sorry what what does the word compassion mean calm that that prefix always means with and passion passionate means to suffer with okay if the person in question is saying i didn't do nothing i didn't do nothing wrong i ain't sorry da 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 and that's this is textbook diabolical narcissist textbook they never have they're they are they are pristine they have never done anything wrong nothing is their fault um and they do not ask for forgiveness ever ever okay how how can we suffer with you more importantly how can our lord suffer with you how can our lord have compassion on you if if you refuse to even acknowledge that you're in a state of sin or that you're suffering, he can't. That's the entire point. That's where the justice comes in. And so, yeah, I, I understand, believe me, I understand because I've been, I've had mortally sinful calumnies, uh, calumny attacks done on me to the point where someone contacted me and said, hey, look, if you haven't ever made uh, an I'm not going to kill myself post, after this calumny campaign that's going on against you, this was going on hardcore in like 2017, eight, it was 18. It was after I came out with the first uh, video on the anti-papacy. And these people's heads are just exploding. And I had cut all ties with these people years before, thanks be to God. 
and they just went on an absolutely wild, wild, vicious calumny campaign. And I mean, when I say calumny, I mean making stuff up, clearly mortally sinful, so severe that I was contacted and told you need you're be you're potentially being set up to be suicided here. This could be some sort of a some sort of a um, instigated thing that's going on um, where you're being you're being set up and framed. You need to immediately make a hey, I'm not going to kill myself post because of what these people are saying about you. They're trying to paint you as being, you know, the 180 degree diametrical opposite of what you actually are. They're painting you as being absolutely unhinged. So yeah, it, it gets very serious. It gets, they were also likewise, like what with uh, Voris and Niles were doing to people. People were trying to literally destroy my life. Um, people were trying to get me banned from receiving the sacraments. Uh, they were, they were, plotting and telling each other that they were going to contact all of the various Latin Mass and Ecclesia Dei communities and get me banned from going to Mass or receiving the sacraments, which is just the height of comedy. It's just, <laughs> it's all, it'll all go in the memoirs, folks. It'll all go in the memoirs, but stuff like literally trying to destroy other human beings. And I've never, oh, I, I've never received uh, any um, apology whatsoever. And sadly, I doubt I ever will. And that's a terrible, horrible, awful thing. Because we're what we're talking about here is mortal sin, mortally sinful calumnies. And we un if we believe in the catechism, and we believe that you die, and you have that on your conscience, and you have not repented of that, you have not corrected any of it, um, that's scary. The other thing that um, this speaks to is Voris and Niles behaving the way that they had, clearly not sorry for it, clearly haven't apologized to anybody for it, and yet receiving the Eucharist. And that's something that's, an, again, another thing that I think about that's absolutely horrible with these with these sad, sad people who who go on these calumny campaigns against me, I presume that these people are receiving the Eucharist and were receiving the Eucharist. At least one of them has completely apostatized. Another one, I don't even know, maybe Eastern Orthodox, I'm not even sure. But the thought that these people have been had been steadily um, receiving the Eucharist, while I have, you know, just objective irrefutable, open, obvious knowledge that these people are in a state of mortal sin because of their calumnies against me. Oh boy, that's that's terrifying for them. Um, you know, again, referencing back to back to Father Z and his his admonition to everybody is go to confession, stay in the state of grace. And um, you you look at some of these people and you just wonder, what their, you know, what their discernment or what their um, examination of conscience, how, how lacking and deficient that must be, and how the, the quality of the Holy Communions that these people have been making. Um, and, you know, what do we see? What are the results that we see? We see 
Vorus falling. We see we see people apostatizing and even becoming Luciferian. Um, it's it's really it, it's real. It's real. If if you receive the Eucharist in a state of unrepentant mortal sin, um, it's it's not going to help you. It's and again, this is another heresy that anti Pope Bergoglio keeps pushing. Oh no, just go, oh, go a little bread, a little wine doesn't hurt anything. You know, don't worry about it. Doesn't matter about adultery, anything. No, no, no. You, you oh, the, the Eucharist. It's 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 medicine for it's medicine for the sick. Well, wait a minute. Wait, wait just a minute. You you have to want it. You have to want the medicine. You have to want the correction. If you don't want it, and you're just abusing the Eucharist, um, then it's it's going to it's going to harm you, and you are going to you are going to fall very, very hard. Um, there's the famous anecdote from the French Revolution. I think it was, who was it? Uh, Voltaire told some guy who was trying, he was wanting to join the French Revolution, but he just, he couldn't shake the last vestiges of the faith in the Catholic Church and in Catholicism and in the Eucharist. And he wanted to, but he just, he just couldn't shake it. And so he goes to Voltaire and asks him, what do I do? And Voltaire said, go commit a mortal sin and then go receive the Eucharist. And it'll only be a matter of a few weeks and you'll be, you'll be purged of this. I think it was a few and days, actually. Yeah. And the guy did it and he came back and he told Voltaire it absolutely worked. I no longer... I no longer have the faith. I no longer believe any of it. There you go. So, you know, it's it's an interesting thing when you see people complaining about, you know, God never works in my life and God never talks to me and God's evil and God God's horrible and this, that, and the other. The question that no one is ever asking is, is it possible that the person who has lost their faith, apostatized, and now thinks that God is evil, is it possible that this person was receiving the Eucharist in a state of unrepentant mortal sin for an extended period of time, and then, well, shock of shocks, here it comes out that the person has completely lost their faith, um, either doesn't believe that God exists, or if he does exist, he's evil and Lucifer is the good one. And we should all respect Lucifer because Lucifer had the presence and the, the courage to stand up to and rebel against the evil creator God. Well, that sounds exactly like the sort of thinking that would come from someone who had been receiving the Eucharist in a state of mortal sin, unrepentant mortal sin. So it's very dangerous. One concluding thought about Voris and all this situation that I would like everyone to remember is, you know, clearly it, it's it's been known now for many, many years that that Voris is, was, sadly still is apparently a sodomite. And we all know, and we'll put this in the show notes just because it makes it easier for everybody, my video about diabolical narcissism. One of the big, big points in the in the diabolical narcissism video is that all forms of sexual sexual perversion are derivative of the overarching problem of the person being a diabolical narcissist. Um, so show me a sodomite and I'll show you a narcissist. The, the, the two things go hand in hand by definition. Um, so we're dealing with a narcissist. And one of the things, and I also cover this in the video, 
that's incredibly sad is that what happens to these people is that they self-sabotage and they end up basically alone, alone on the earth in life. Because remember, I called it diabolical narcissism for a reason, because they're basically following exactly the same track and adopting the same comportment um, psycho-spiritually as, as the demons. So when I say diabolical narcissism, I ain't kidding. Think about what hell is. It's a place where there is no relationship. There is no charity. Everyone, all of the demons and all of the people who are in hell are alone. They are alone. There, you don't have, you don't go to hell and then, oh yeah, there's, there's my buddy that I knew. You're alone because you hate everybody. You hate everyone, you hate yourself, and most of all, you hate God when you're, when you're in hell. So the trajectory of these people is to eventually end up where they're still alive on earth, but they've already entered into hell. So they burn all of their bridges, they destroy all of their relationships. Um, and the thing I'd like the listenership to consider when you're thinking about Voris and praying about Voris is that it is possible. I don't know, I don't know, but it is possible that Michael Voris is alone in the world that I know both of his parents are dead and his brother is dead. I don't, I don't know if there's any other siblings I can't remember. And if so, maybe he's estranged from anybody who's left that he's related to. Um, he's now completely alienated and severed relationships with pretty much all of his colleagues. So he's been fired by his own board. Um, Niles has publicly denounced him. Um, just stop and sit in stillness with the notion that it's possible that Gary Michael Voris doesn't have any friends, that he's alone. And you say, well, how is that possible? He's on the internet and da, da 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 Oh, it's possible. It's very, very possible. There are a ton of people on the internet who have no friends. What are you saying? <laughs> exactly. And so there's, you know, he's, he's now been, the board, Actually, the board probably shouldn't have done this. Uh, when the board said that he was fired for violating the morals clause, that was probably unnecessary. Um, the board probably should have just released a, a statement that said, we asked for his resignation and he tendered it. Um, the fact that they kind of shady side eye dropped in that phrase about he violated the morals clause. Well, now everybody knows. Everybody knows what that means. Um, that means that he's fallen back into the sodomite lifestyle. And of all people, it was I think it was Milo Yiannopoulos who posted something on, on Twitter or somebody screenshotted something he posted on, on um, Telegram pointing out how low of a blow that was to cite a morality clause for letting him go. They could have done that. Uh, that could have been the reason for letting him go, but they didn't have to put that in a public press release. No. Oh, no, that was completely gratuitous. Yeah, based based on uh, Voris's previous coming out, uh, Vortex, which at the time was shrewd because the Diocese of New York was about to dox him. So get ahead of it. Own That's it, right. And, and whatnot. So that, I mean, that, that was already out there and known. But then to say, hey, we're letting you go for the morality clause, we don't think it was for day drinking or for skimming off the cash register. Yep. It's yep. probably exactly. what we already knew he had admitted. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's the that's the that, that's the, definitely the implication. And so to say Certainly. that in your public press release, that's pretty that's pretty low. And I do want to 
make a point of correction on something you said earlier, talking about somebody you knew mm. objectively was in the state of moral sin. We humans can only subjectively know. And even, even the priest in confession, True. there's a slight exception there. He's in place of God. It's not only the priest, but only God can know objectively the state of a soul. And given the state of catechesis these days and all of the other crap in the world, it is not a stretch for people to, or to, to, to think that people don't know that calumny is wrong, that it's mortally sinful. How many people, how many people truly are, are educated to the point to realize when they have the thought, oh, I'm going to make up something about Anne and spread it to other people to have a reflection to say, no, this is gravely sinful, but I'm going to do it anyway. They probably just think of it more as catty. That is a good point. That is a good point. We've talked about this before. I call it pious lying. There are people who think that if they make stuff up, that is helpful to the t helpful to the cause quote unquote okay there are people who think that if they make stuff up that's helpful to the cause that that is that's no problem that that's in fact that's morally praiseworthy so a lot of the apparition stuff um so much of that is fake and i'm convinced that a lot of that is lonely old postmenopausal women who are just making something up because they think it'll help. They think it's helping the church. They think it's helping Jesus. They think it's helping Our Lady, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there is a category of where people get themselves tangled up and think that lying is the right virtuous thing to do. Um, I, I do not buy that for a second with regards to the people who were, who were on the calumny campaigns against me. They knew exactly what they were doing. But you're, yes, I stand corrected. I cannot sit here and say, I know for an absolute metaphysical certitude, X, Y, Z, about the state of anyone's soul in, the, in exactly the same way that the church can't even say that Hitler's in hell because there's, we, we can't know for an absolute certainty we certainly can't say it publicly because that would be public revelation and that, that ended with the death of saint john there can be reliable private revelation and like we've covered in previous podcasts you could be a good catholic and have serious doubts or decide not to believe that fatima really happened because it's a private revelation and nothing there was was taught that is necessary for the faith that wasn't already uh, taught it puts you in a strange position but it is private revelation. Unfortunately, at this point in the recording, Anne's connection dropped out, and uh, it was several minutes before we could reestablish connection, and there was just no natural segue to make it sound like it was a fluid conversation. So. The decision was made to throw in some smooth jazz. Enjoy. It'll only be a few more seconds till we resume. So just kind of recapping and trying to hopefully close out and sum up the whole sad Voris Niles church militant thing. Um, you know, remember the possibility that Voris has no family. He's alienated all of his friends and colleagues, as diabolical narcissists tend to do eventually. It's just a spiral for them. So he's been fired by his own board. Niles has denounced him. The guy's probably largely alone and 
perhaps has turned back to the gay bars and the gay lifestyle just because he's desperate for any human connection at all and he's burned all of his bridges otherwise. I don't know, but it's possible. The other thing that's possible is that he's been alienated from the church and he's suffering from massive acedia brought on by the intransigent holding of the false base premise um, that Bergoglio is the Pope, and that just ate away from him, ate away at him from the inside. I mean, holding an irrational, illogical, internally contradictory position like that, and then having to vigorously defend it all day, every day, it, it would obviously lead a person into acedia. And remember, what is the vice of acedia? It's when you don't care, and you don't care that you don't care. That's the best definition I've ever heard. And that's exactly what it is. And it's, it's what comes on when the position that you're holding and trying to defend makes no sense. Um, is it possible that Voris just got scandalized out and stopped praying as Niles said he did and stopped going to mass as Niles said he did? Um, this is very common. I've seen that happen to other people or other people living that lifestyle where they just don't go and they don't pray and it is a downward spiral and it leads to apostasy and it leads to mortal sin and it leads to all kinds of bad things um and you know just finally the reminder that he's he's fallen I guess he's fallen back into the sodomitical lifestyle but just exactly as with the demons those aren't friendships those aren't actual actual relationships. In fact, it's it's very analogous to how demons relate to each other and how the damned relate to each other. It's just all anger, hatred, jealousy, and fear. There's no such thing by definition as loving sodomy. That's just, it's a, it's a complete and total contradiction of terms. It makes no sense. And, but yet he's fallen back into that. Be, why? Because diabolical narcissism tends to put people in hell even before they're dead. So their life and their comportment and how they're operating mimics that which, that which exists in hell, namely the total absence of charity and relationship. And so at that point, you are doing absolutely disgusting, hateful, degrading things to yourself and to other people, um, just exactly like the damned would do and the, and the demons would do. And this is another good reason why you've got to have good Catholic friends. I've used the phrase before that you are yeah. the average of your five closest friends. And if yep. you don't have friends, okay, that's a problem. Fix that soon. Yeah. And if you don't know where to, where to find good friends, go to your local traditional Catholic um, parish. Go to go to an abortion clinic, or not, not an abortion clinic, outside of one. And look for the people who are, who are out there praying and carrying uh, rosaries. It's a good place to find good Catholics. But find good Catholic friends. And... Ideally, find somebody who's better than you. Uh, in professionally speaking, yeah. when, I, when I was looking for mentors and, and uh, colleagues to to learn from, I didn't go pick people who knew less than me. I wanted to go for people who knew way more than me and try to soak up some of that. And and uh, it was always such a thrill when I came up with something that they didn't had not heard yet before, because I'd been doing research and trying to learn. But that was that was the whole point. I was motivated to do that learning, to do that research, to get to uncover some of these nuggets of the esoteric of javascript land that that um this guy who's a internationally known uh speaker said oh i didn't know that it's like oh that's the coolest thing i've heard in a year and a half but the point is i couldn't have gotten there had i not surrounded myself 
with those types of friends or colleagues in that case, because that's more of a professional setting. But in the spiritual setting, you've got to have good Catholic friends. Yeah. And it it bears mentioning, it's sad that we even have to say this, but in real life, it's not sufficient. It is not sufficient to merely have quote unquote relationships on the internet. That is not a sufficient um, substitute. You need to have friends in real life that hopefully you know face to face. Now, for example, as we said at the at the top of the show, Super Nerd and I have never met face to face. We've never been in the same room. Why, Anne? Are you saying that we're not friends? No, it's not saying that we're not friends, but the importance and I sorry, do, I, I was doing I was doing a Doc Holiday thing. I, I don't think you caught it though, but <laughs> I interrupted. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he talking to? He's talking to, he's playing poker with uh, uh, Ed, Ed Bailey. Why Ed Bailey? Are we not friends? <laughs> Are we not friends? And he's tapping on his pistol. I couldn't bear it. <laughs> oh, Doc Holliday. Um, and so um, just because we've never been in the same room, well, yes, we're friends, but what I do in my, in my own personal private life really make a point of talking to people face-to-face, -face, hopefully every single day. Um, you say, well, and you go to Mass every day. Yeah, but you know, Mass is not a social occasion. You know, you're not there to chit-chat and socialize. And a lot of times with me, you go to Mass, it's walk in, walk out, you know. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, you're just, you're not yapping the, the, the priests aren't coming out and socializing with everybody. They're busy and everything, but you need to you need to make sure. And it doesn't. It, it's just people in your neighborhood, people around. Go out and, and make sure that you that you talk to someone every day, especially if you're someone like me who lives alone. And you know, it's really important. Don't get into some misanthropic. You know, you're hiding alone, and your only interactions with other human beings are are through the electronic medium. And and it's I I have very good friends in the electronic medium. Some of them I've met face to face. Some of them I haven't. But the other really strong benefit that I have is I have lots of friends and relationships with people who some of them don't even know that I do any of this. You know, they, you know, I've been asked, you know, what do you, what do, you do? What do you do for life? I say, you know, I, I kind of do some freelance stuff on the internet. That's usually what I say. I, I do freelance stuff on the internet. And they say, oh, okay, all right, that's fine. Um, and they don't even know about any of this. And if you tried to explain it to them, they would, they would be genuinely surprised. It's like, oh, no, that's, that's just Anne from the neighborhood. That's just Anne. Um, but it's important to have these just human interactions with people. It is entirely possible that Voris, you know, got himself into some situation where he was just having no human interactions with anybody. And Niles, Niles said that he had stopped coming into the office. He was only in the office for, you know, an hour, maybe two hours. He would record the Vortex and then immediately leave. It's entirely possible that the guy's just the guy was just alone, you know, um, and the people and obviously if he fell back into the into the sodomite lifestyle, then the people that he was hanging around with, those weren't genuine friendships. That was just horrible, diabolical, usurious. Um, well, we don't need to get into that. It's horrible. But the importance of of being around people and talking to people in real life and not thinking 
that social media and the internet is is a sufficient proxy for that. It's very sad. I see a lot of people, you know, talking about their their great and tremendous relationships with with other commenters on on X, Y, or Z website. And, you know, these people are all posting underneath anonymous handles and all that. And people talking about how, oh, you guys are all, you're my best friends. And like, how, how can you say that? That's, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not denigrating that there, there are communities of people that, that do form on the internet, but it's, it's a terrible thing to hear somebody say that their best friends are people that they know under anonymous handles in com boxes? That that's not sufficient. You really need to have face-to-face on the ground relationships and interactions, and hopefully on a daily basis. And another thing I would throw in that Super Nerd said, you know, go to the go to where the um, they're praying the rosary outside of abortuaries. Another thing to do is you know volunteer. Um, just join join something. There's there's all kinds of things. Um, one one thing that used to be a really good option for Catholics. I don't know if it is so much anymore. Maybe maybe to some extent it still is. But like the Knights of Malta or something like that. Something where you're doing charitable work. Um, just to get around other human beings. You know, um, it it's, has a tremendous benefit in and of itself. So again, pray for all of them. Talking about. Um don't just have friends online. One, one of the, one of the interesting things that came out of the no agenda podcast, which I, I've mentioned many times here and, and I've met some people because of that is, mm-hmm. is that somebody decided to start doing no agenda meetups around, around the U S yeah, exactly. around, around the world. And these are people who honestly, if you ever go to one of these, you're going to meet people who are all over the religious and, and political spectrum. People who, if you'd met them, otherwise you probably would not like them. But they, there's a definite commonality in the fact that yes, mm-hmm. you, you follow this podcast. You're 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 a fan of it to a certain degree. You're a fan of the fact that this is an intellectual thing. That you're intellectually curious. You're going to dig through the superficial crap of the media and get to the underlying truths. And that's rare in the world. And it's rare enough mm-hmm. that people who are of that mind will overlook a lot of the other things that otherwise you go to war about. I'm not saying that people should yeah. go start up Barnhart podcast meetups, but hey, if you do and you meet people. That would work too. It's just that it's a much smaller, we, we, we have a much smaller podcast than no agenda. I think they've got you know, what half a million listeners at least maybe a million downloads per wow. episode. So when they, when they start wow. doing meetups, it's, there's a much bigger group uh, to, to pull from there. So uh, if somebody does a Barnhart podcast meetup and has success with that, let me know. That'd be kind of, kind of interesting to follow up on. I'd love to see pictures. <laughs> That would that actually would be kind of cool. I knew we'd have to figure out where. I mean, it, the it's so spread out. Everybody's all over the place. Um, I don't know what a good central location would be. I was going to say at, at, at uh, coffee and donuts after mass, and that reminds me that I dropped the ball on trying to come up with some idea of some kind of like discreet lapel pin to say I'm I'm a Barnhart podcast listener. Oh, I I know I know. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I think. Probably the best, most discreet thing to do, and I look this up on pin. You can have custom pins made, and you know they give you a little template. It's kind of like when you make a meme and you get the template, and you can tell it what you want it to be. Um, I think it's just the number one eighty eight. 
just a just a little pin with 188 on it and i think that is the most discreet but clear in the communication of what it is um there's all there are all kinds of really good um suggestions about you know olive branches and, and things like that but i think the 188 is is it, it would just fly under the radar you know i think that would be the thing to do and in the spirit of no agenda if anybody knows how to create that or how to how to get it made email podcast at barnhart.biz and we will promote that and then absolutely yeah can, uh, i'll order and one nobody and, will be making money off of any any of it or anything because i mean lapel pins are i was gonna say i couldn't care less that they make money off of it this is this is something cool i'll, I'll order one and and uh yeah it's, it's an interesting way to identify like-minded people and and at some point somebody else is going to say i see four or five of these people with 188 pins what is this all about <laughs> so yeah. that's that's a, a good way to maybe or maybe not grow the group i mean if, if they're not like-minded if they're um, adoring of Francis, then maybe just say, hey, it's kind of a random thing. Well, you buy them like by the bag, you buy them in bulk, and then you would you would hand them out to people. But uh, yeah, I would insist that people be honest about it. Don't hand somebody a 188 pin if they don't know exactly what it means and they aren't on board. Again, that would be kind of in that pious lying, and that's not cool. Um, so, but you, you would have them and say, hey, look, I know that you believe that Benedict is Pope. I, I ordered a bag of these pins. Would you like one? Oh yeah, man, that's awesome. I, could, I can totally see that happening. So yeah, there's episode 200 action item right there. Uh, let's get these 188 pins made. I think that'd be really cool. And if you're a listener of the Barnhart podcast and you don't believe that Benedict invalidly the resign, just get a 188 pin and wear it upside down. It's a conversation piece either way. <laughs> Which would be what? We have to look up what Canon 881 is now. <laughs> what, hold on. Let's let's look it up. Uh, okay. Uh, Canon. Well, I wasn't trying to make any concrete meaning to Canon 81. I was just saying just, hey, I'm part of the club, but not quite to that degree. Okay. Let's see. Uh, it's about the sacrament of confirmation. 881. Hey, uh, you're um, confirming that you're a podcast listener. That That's good enough. Canon 881. It is desirable to celebrate the sacrament of confirmation in a church and during mass. For a just and reasonable cause, however, it can be celebrated outside mass and in any worthy place. Huh. Okay. Learn something new every day. <laughs> so 881 is confirmation you listen to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> And that reminds us, we should put a link um, to the piece about the prayer for the for the um, activation or reactivation uh, or the engagement of the gifts of confirmation. It's the sacrament that everybody forgets about, and it's so important and so powerful. So we'll put the the confirmation uh, essay in the show notes. And I know we've talked about it before, but it is it is uh, prophesied that uh, between the triumph of the Immaculate Heart and when Antichrist rises to power the sacrament of confirmation will become a neglected sacrament because nobody's going to think it's necessary or they're not going to hold it in high esteem. And to a certain degree oh, that we're already may there, already, aren't we? <laughs> sort of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, yep. uh, talking about Argentinians causing problems. Hey, speaking of Argentinians, there's another one now in the news. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, a lot of people are kind of falling head over heels over, um, the guy who was just elected in um, 
in Argentina. And it's kind of a, the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of a dynamic that's going on here. Um, I, I, what's his name? Malay? Malay? I have um, no idea. I, every time I see it, I, I keep thinking Malays and I keep also thinking he needs a haircut. And is he an anarchist or a libertarian? I can't figure that part out. Yeah. Um, he's an arna, uh, anarcho-capitalist is what he calls himself. Um, so he's, he's anti-abortion, but guys, um, he's a Catholic apostate, apparently, who has said that he's very interested in, um, reconnecting with his Jewish roots. And then you're not going to believe this. This is talk about making the internet explode. Uh, <laughs> I think I saw this on Vox Day. So his last name is Millet, and that is a shortened version of Milekowski or something like that. It's just a Belarusian Jewish name. And it's clear, I mean, those people, they would immigrate over to South America, and then, you know, they would clip that end off of their last name, Kowski or, or Shevitz or whatever, whatever it was. So Milekowski became Millet. Guess whose last name in real, real last name is Milekowski? Bibi Netanyahu. Bibi Netanyahu's father, his last name was Milekowski, and Bibi Netanyahu's father changed the family name to Netanyahu when he, um, when he moved the family to, to Israel in the middle of the 20th century. Can't make it up. So Netanyahu is basically a stage name. Um, so they're cousins or <laughs> brothers from another mother or what? Brothers from another mother. Just it's all, it's all the same thing coming out of, you know, that Belarus, Belarusian Bolshevik uh, milieu. It's like you cannot make this up. So... The other thing that this this guy, he's like into tantric sex and all that disgusting Hindu, creepy, erotic garbage that they do by mimicking demons. He's into that. And he's on the record as saying that um, people should have the right to sell their children. And then you're like, what? 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 Okay, so he's anti-abortion, but he thinks people should be able to sell their children. S sell your children for what? We all know the answer to that. I mean, come on. Okay, now that you put it that way, that that is kind of creepy. But I'm I'm just chuckling, thinking that there have been a few times where my kids misbehave to the point. It's like I I would sell you to the lowest bidder right now, just because you're <laughs> you're you're being so disobedient, not doing your chores and everything. But I'm not being serious either, and I don't say that out uh, loud because no. I don't I, I don't want to harm them uh, psychologically in that way. I it's more of a joke between their mom and me. But um, if this guy's serious, that's yeah. Well, you know he's serious. Okay, so I, I was trying to figure out why why would Russian Jews or Belarusian Jews be going to Argentina because that's where all the Nazis went. Unless maybe they were all on the same team all along and only yeah. only those who really knew the inside story knew it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all this stuff is happening with this guy in Argentina. Um, and the theory is, is what what's going on here? Oh, he he's he's World Economic Fund. He's a Klaus Schwab disciple. 
Um, and that's not getting much play on the internet. I need to post on this. I need to post the favoring selling children, the fact that he's um, World Economic Fund. Um, and the other thing is, is he's what he says he wants to do to solve the problem of inflation in Argentina is that he wants to just switch the entire economy over to the US dollar. Okay, pump your brakes a little bit. There's, there is a movement gaining traction globally called BRICS. And it is, you know, Brazil, Russia, China, multiple other countries, and they're, they're adding more on all India, the time. India, South Africa, people are countries that are rich in resources and rich in industrial capability. Yes. Who are trying to get away from the US dollar. And so this guy says that he's going to solve the problems in Argentina by just scrapping their currency altogether and dollarizing their economy. It would all be US dollars. And so what that does is that that puts um, a, a wrench in the works of trying of trying to get South America, especially having perhaps Argentina ally economically with Brazil and get into this BRICS situation where you're trying to break the the hegemony of the of the US dollar. And so um, the thought is, is that maybe he was he was installed in order to thwart um, any sort of a, a furtherance of of de-dollarizing South America, basically. Um, so there's all kinds of things here that are really, really, really shady. And people are just losing their mind over this guy because he's anti-abortion and he has said, and he, he called Bergoglio out as the fraud that he is. Well, I mean, everybody in Argentina knows that. Everybody knows Ar in Argentina hates Bergoglio and did before and do especially now. So, I mean, that's, that's really not as exotic as it's being played up as. Um, meanwhile, meanwhile, a friend of mine pointed out to me that just recently, Peru passed a constitutional amendment that gives from the moment of conception full rights of a citizen to a human being from the moment of conception that's huge that is a super huge deal and we need to get the word out on this because you know that the washington dc deep state is not going to be happy about that so at now that uh you know, and they had, and it, it passed by like a massive, massive majority. Um, it was put up for popular vote. Um, the the president who apparently took over in a coup some time ago, um, the president is was against it, but the people were all for it, and it passed by a massive uh, majority in popular vote. So. I'm, I'm just waiting for Washington, D.C. to come out and say, we have to, we have to back an, a, a coup in Peru in order to overturn this democratically uh, uh, codified law giving full human rights to, to 
all humans from the moment of conception. It's the whole idea that we have to destroy democracy in order to save democracy, you know, because apparently democracy is anything that does not jibe with the Washington, D.C. deep state, which is, you know, <laughs> Satanism, basically. So um, this this news needs to be publicized just for the well-being of the people of Peru, um, so that if everybody knows about this, and then if the U.S. organizes some sort of an overthrow um, in order to get that constitutional amendment suspended or suspend the Constitution of Peru in general, um, that people will see what's going on, will understand what has happened. But it's, it's a huge development. That's your pro-life news right there is what happened in Peru. So I did a quick Google search. Uh, is there oil in Peru? And yes, and the, one of the top te headlines coming back, Peru's oil industry is engulfed in crisis. Mm -hmm. So if you need the IMF and the WF and the WTF and everyone else to come in and, and stir up trouble, you, you got a petroleum cause for you. There you go. There you go. But bravo to the people of Peru for doing the right thing. It's one of the most Catholic nations on earth. Um, if they could just get out from under governmental corruption, which is just universal in South America. And I really don't think that the guy in Argentina is any grand solution to all of this. I mean, as Nurse Claire said in our little chit chatty group, beware of any politician who comes zooming in out of nowhere. And then she posted a picture of Obama. And that's exactly right. It's exactly 100% right. Um, anybody who just shows up out of nowhere, be very, very suspicious about this. And that's what this guy is. Well, there's also the whole Freemasonic idea that when the people need a hero or an anti-hero or, or somebody from the opposition, we will provide it for them. So mm -hmm. just, just because the people yep. think, hey, we've got an outsider here, um, you did see his Schwab credentials, right? Yeah, exactly. He's not outsider. He's not outsider at all. So... There's that. Speaking of non-outsiders, um, I saw that you had, you had posted something about um, Elon Musk throwing uh, Masonic gang signs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody seems to be having this love-hate relationship with him. And, you know, I come down more on the side of what, what we were just talking about. I mean, who, who do you associate with, even in, even in the realm of who are you kind of ideologically aligning yourself with? And man, that guy is, that guy is creepy, creepy, weird. There's all kinds of signs. And that thing, he's trying to start his own, like, what, what is that? It's a Bitcoin or a, a, a next generation of PayPal or something like that. Do you well, understand X. what that thing is that he's starting? But it's, it's the, that advertising where he's got his arms crossed in front of his, chest um that's for some sort of a financial product that's tied to twitter or x or whatever it's called now um yeah he's been wanting to create something called the everything app for a long time it's more analogous to the chinese wechat than anything else so there are social media there's uh, communications there's banking and i believe x has filed to become a bank or they have or it's been granted one or the other they want to be a payment provider, which is why they're not really concerned about whether or not they're going to, if they're losing people over to Mastodon or whatever, which, you know, those people will be back. They, people will virtue signals. I'm going to Mastodon. Here's my Mastodon handle and all the rest, but whatever, 
people who really would be interested in Mastodon went there eight years ago. You know, wake up, join the party now. But uh, Twitter's got the network, um, the, the network advantage. That's where the people are. So a serious journalist can cry and say they're going someplace else, but they come back because they have no reach anyplace else. And based on that network effect, you can start building in and leveraging in other ideas. If you can start buying and selling through Twitter or X or whatever, and there's some kind of tie in with the financial system, that could be pretty powerful. We don't have a true analog, although Mark Zuckerberg would love to build it. We don't have a true analog of WeChat in the United States. That's what Musk is going for. I'd say steer clear of all of it. It's it's all so creepy. Um, and he's he's extremely sexually immoral. It's just he's got weird ideas about, you know, hybridizing people and machines. And it's just it's all bad, bad, bad news. And, you know, I um I don't have a Twitter account and I canceled my Twitter account in 2014 when the news first came out that they were shadow banning. I'm like, I'm not having anything to do with this. So at this point now on Twitter, I can only see direct links that are sent to me and you can't see anything above it and you can't see anything below it. All you can see is the, is the link that somebody sends you. That's it. Um, so yeah, occasionally there will be Twitter things embedded on my, on my blog, but it's, the usability of Twitter, if you don't have um, an account now, is <laughs> it, it is significantly reduced. Um, well, the usability I, of Twitter, I, even when you have an account, is arguably not that great to begin with. Yeah. Um, it's just very, very creepy that it's trying to all turn into banking and everything all at once. And it's just it's just no good. And now the guy is throwing literally the, the hand signals of, of Satanism. It's, and I posted the picture of, so, um, Joseph Cardinal Bernadine, who was a Satanist, he was the, he was the guy who raped the little girl in the opening of windswept house. Um, when they did the installation of Satan in the Vatican and, and Bernadine was the one who did, did the black mass concurrently in the U S. Um, so that was Bernadine's pectoral cross that Bergoglio and all of Bergoglio's demon faggot monkeys, they all wear that, that pectoral cross that depicts the Antichrist. I'm absolutely convinced. One leg, one leg is clearly facing forward. One leg is clearly facing backwards. Um, the face is, is bizarre and evil and, and, uh, empty and almost like a screaming dead face um that some of the sheep that are behind the figure aren't sheep they're they're pigs which of course harkens to when our lord um um uh, exercised and sent the the demons that were inhabiting the person into the flock uh into the the herd of pigs and then they went and ran and jumped off the cliff if I'm not mistaken, um, that's the We Are Legion reference in the Bible. I think so. Yeah. Yep. And there's just all kinds of symbolism in that in that pectoral cross that points directly to Satanism. And the, the figure that's standing there, um, it's got an animal, it's carrying an animal. And you know how a shepherd, if it had a if it had a lamb, it would be around the neck and then you know, obviously the, the shepherd would hold the front legs with his right hand and the back legs with his left hand and it would, and holding 
straight like that. If you look at that pectoral cross, the shepherd's arms are crossed. It's extreme. It's completely awkward and 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 contrived, holding the legs of the sheep with with the shepherd having his arms crossed, and that's pointing to this gesture in Freemasonry, in Satanism, of having your arms crossed like that, which is what Musk is doing in this in these publicity shots. A lot of people emailed in and said, "Well, you know, when at, when we go to mass, if you." go it, when it's time for holy communion if you're not receiving you go up with your arms crossed and you kneel there with your arms crossed and like well in the novus ordo but guys listen i can going back to this whole idea if you're not receiving holy communion don't go up don't go up to the rail don't don't just stay in the pew if you're not receiving the it holy communion is not a time for priests to be handing out blessings. It's a time for Holy Communion to be happening with those who are communicating. And, and going to Holy Communion isn't a participation prize that you get for going to Mass. If you're not receiving, just stay, just stay in the pew. You don't need to be going up there and doing that. If you want a blessing from the priest, go ask him after Mass. It is not an appropriate time to be interrupting people receiving Holy Communion with you or children or people who aren't in the church yet or anything else, thinking that the priest needs to be giving them some sort of a blessing. Um, that's just, it's theologically incorrect. So don't do that. If you're not receiving, stay in the pew. Um, and it's it's a testament to the, cate to the catechesis level, as we were talking about earlier, um, that, yeah, especially in Novus Ordo, I remember when I was in RCIA um, and, you know, obviously not, not receiving yet because not in the church and having, having Catholics like rolling their eyes and acting annoyed and put out with me because I wasn't getting up and, and going out of the, of the pew and everything and the, the whole notion that you go to mass and, and you go up to communion and that's your participation trophy and everybody does it no no what what if you haven't kept the eucharistic fast what if you're not in the zone we talked about this on the last on the last episode i mean what if something's happened and you're just not you're not properly disposed and you're not properly prepared what if let's be honest what if you're a person who needs who needs to go to confession before you receive and that's not available to you um this whole notion that everybody has to get up and everybody has to go and everybody needs to get this participation trophy it's not a participation trophy we're there at mass to worship god and the fact that it's it's possible for us to sacramentally receive his physical substance into our bodies is completely, totally gratuitous. Completely. It is just his infinite gratuitous love. Um, and if you're not receiving Holy Communion, you don't go up. And I certainly, yeah, knowing what we know now, I, I wouldn't be marching around anywhere with my arms crossed over my chest like that. Um, and it was interesting. I read, I saw what the genesis of that, um, of that posture was. Um, it's theorized that that posture 
is the gesture that people who are victims of human sacrifice and are, you know, stabbed and have their hearts cut out and so forth, that that's what they do. You know, they would lay them on, a, on an altar or on a table, on a mensa, and then the person in their terror and fear would cross their arms over their chest, over their heart to defend themselves from the, the ritual sacrifice and the stabbing. Um, now, I'm not saying that everybody who, who does that gesture has that kind of thing in their mind, but what I am saying is that it's contributing, it's contributing to a somewhat disordered um, mindset and theology, um, especially in the Novus Ordo with regards to, and I guess there are people, I guess there are people in the, um, in the old right who do it too. I saw that for the first time when I started going to mass at the fraternity and, and don't interpret what I'm about to say as a slam on anybody, uh, fraternity or any other group. But I know that when I was short and growing up, um, as part of the, the, uh, instructions for going to communion, if between getting up from the pew and getting to the communion rail, you were, you remembered that you should not have gone to communion. The protocol was to put your hand over your mouth. And if you've ever seen it, well, <laughs> I don't, I, I guess I can't make this statement because I don't know how servers are trained. And I've, and in my experience here locally, a lot of them aren't trained very well, but if you are a server and you're not receiving mass, then when the priest comes to give communion, you're supposed to, when I was trained and when I was training servers, the protocol was you put your hand over your mouth, left or right. It doesn't really matter there. It, it's, there could be good reasons for one or the other. If you have to ask them, use your right hand but you put your hand over your mouth or two fingers over your mouth, same, same idea saying, I'm not receiving. You didn't put an X over your chest. Yeah. And, and being a server growing up, I definitely recall some cases. It was kind of weird where someone would be at the communion rail and cover their mouth. It's like, okay, I guess we're skipping you. And, and, um, but I don't recall that ever makes seeing, it clear. So yeah, yeah I, I don't recall ever, ever seeing somebody crossing their chest until much later. And it was not, it was not around the SSPX that I saw that. Well, you want a blessing. Well, you know what? You're going to get a blessing at the end of the mass. You know, that's the, that's the blessing is, is key in the, in the dismissal right of the mass. So I mean, the notion that you need to be marching up and, and right there in the middle of everything, um, when people are, are at, at their most intimate moment with the Lord, um, well, I, I want my blessing from the priest. Well, how about you just cool your jets and wait for the blessing at the end of the mass, which is coming within just a few short minutes, you know? Um, what do I see now? I mean, when people, when servers don't receive, I mean, it's just the priest looks and it's just a very subtle shake of the head, you know? I mean, it's, it's pretty easy for them to, to communicate that they're, that they're not receiving. So, um, what what I'm talking about here is people in line at the Novus Ordo or people going up at the um, um, to the rail at the at the Latin Mass. So uh, just just another thing to think about. But um, back to the original point with with Musk and all that. It's just it's all super creepy. And again, quoting Nurse Claire, she she said, you know, if people tell you who they are, you should believe them. And boy, that's just. 1000% true, 1000% true. And it seems to me that Musk is kind of going out of his way uh, to tell everybody what he is. And it's not good, folks. It's not good at all. As though the satanic costume he was in for his Twitter profile picture wasn't clue enough. Yeah. I mean, with, with, exactly. with Musk, it definitely probably is a, a case of he's telling you who he is. We should believe him. 
But there's also the argument to be made that in this society we're in, where we are so saturated with satanic influences, there are things uh, and gestures and ideas. I mean, yoga, for crying out loud. How many, yep. how many Catholics don't realize there's something wrong with yoga? And it, it's even further complicated by the fact that some of the um, stretches and things that are done in yoga, just because they're done in yoga doesn't mean they're evil. I mean, that this is something that, that severely uh, cripples some, some people's minds or, or blinds them or binds them in knots. But uh, in terms of, you know, our society is not a reliable guide on, on what is good and what's worthy of emulation. Uh, there are all kinds yeah. of references and signs and gestures and things that are not good, but they're common and people might pick them up and duplicate them without realizing the evil or even in some cases, occult symbolism behind them. It's just sort of a generic rude or, or group identity gesture and, and they don't realize it. And in those cases, you don't hold those people responsible. I mean, this goes back to the earlier discussion of saying whether or not somebody's objectively in the state of moral sin. We don't know that because they may not know that what they're doing is evil. And even if they did, they may not realize that they, that they there may not be a full consent of the will because they didn't realize really what they're doing. So yep, there, there is that angle to consider as well. True. All right. I think we hit most of our bullet points and we're coming up on our 145, I think. Um, sort of. No, I'm, I'm showing 102 minutes, which I guess that's what, but we have to cut 15 minutes out of that because of the fiasco earlier. So yes, yes, <laughs> there was, there was that, but, uh, I, I did have something on my bullet points here for, for finishing off the podcast. I didn't tell you about this because I had to spring it on you as a, as a surprise and tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Actually, that's not a surprise, but what I was springing on you is you need to list three things for which you're thankful. And by the way, you are evil for posting that recipe with the pecan pie. I'm having a hard enough time sticking to my darn keto diet. I'm failing, honestly, at the moment. I'm, I'm going the wrong way on the scale. <laughs> and you post that, and I start like, ah, make that. I want that. I want that. Um, no, I'm not going to have that. It's so funny. Last year at Thanksgiving, I had a person, a guest, who was not American, and it was their first it was their first experience of American Thanksgiving. And so, you know, the, the pecan pie gets, gets brought out and, and cut and give the person a slice. And, and they said, what's in this? And everybody at the, te at the table simultaneously said, sugar. <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. It was completely unplanned. And it was just one of those wonderful moments. But I was thinking about it. It's, um, light caro syrup, dark caro syrup, white sugar, brown sugar. <laughs> it's, it's literally just sugar pie. And the pecans are there just to give it this, this crust of credibility, if you will. <laughs> so, and it's one of the best things in the world, especially if you put a little bit of amaretto liqueur and oh, that makes it magic, folks. I'm telling you. Oh, and I also insist, lard pie crust. There's no caloric difference. Fat is fat, and and hog grease makes the best pie crust and the best pastry, um, even better than butter. So, lard crust and sugar pie with with pecans on top. Yep. Okay, so that's the the ideal recipe for a pecan pie. But you you do need to list your your three things, at least three things for which you are very thankful on this Thanksgiving. And I probably should cue um, the Charlie Brown music for at this point. 
<laughs> yeah, the wonderful Vince Giraldi um, um, autumn leaves. Absolutely. Uh, I am, as I have told you, sir, I am eternally grateful for you and everything that you do for me and the time that you spend. You're, you're absolutely amazing, absolutely heroic. Um, I am thankful for being in the new van down by the river. Um, we're almost, we're coming up. There's only two more things that need to be done to the house. And then we've, we've decided that it will officially be completed. It will be a completed dwelling with everything installed. And yes, I have showers. I've had showers for a while now. Um, they hooked the heat up right before it got cold. So I've got wonderful heating system. Everything's awesome. We're just missing a couple of little things. And I am grateful to our Lord that I am Catholic and that I get to go to mass every single day. And everything that he has given me and how he protects me and takes care of me. And I don't know, three isn't going to do it because I'm also eternally grateful to all of my benefactors and supporters. You are prayed for every day. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for you every day. Um, I, I can't ever say thank you enough. Again, everything will be in the memoirs, and if not in the memoirs, then at the general judgment. And you all will realize just how good you've been to me and and how many good things you've enabled and and i can't say thank you enough on this thanksgiving well i have the unfair advantage here of knowing that i was going to ask this question and i had to get my own answer as well and i i ranked it the other way around so i i said i started with the catholic faith first and foremost uh, i'm thankful for my mm -hmm. wife my family and our good health um i'm thankful for good catholic friends and yes this does include you even though i've never met you uh, in person anyway, um, the opportunity to help spread the faith and this, this also means, uh, well, collaborating with, with projects like this. And also this in, in saying that I'm thankful for the opportunity of doing this, this is also a huge thank you to all the benefactors who support super nerd media, because honestly, um, I don't know if I could have continued doing this for six years now. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. been a minute. Um, I don't know if I could have sustained doing this if, if it wasn't for a lot of the support of the other benefactors for this. Um, and I'm also thankful for dark chocolate. I gotta, I gotta, I'm not talking about microphones. I'm talking about the actual dark chocolate. I mean, Oh, I thought you were talking about the microphone. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, dark chocolate is, it's one of those proofs that God loves you that he, he created the person who invented that. So. Amen. A good list. <laughs> All right. Do you have, is your, is your turkey and is, has super mommy started with the, with the preparations yet? Oh yeah. That started, um, I think about noon today with some of the, some of the preparations. I think the desserts were, were well in hand. My eldest daughter is making two or three pies. I'm not sure. Not, unfortunately wow. not a pecan pie, but, um, I'll, what are I'll, your I'll pie survive. selections? So let me guess pumpkin. That's one. Um, apple. Yes. Okay. All right. The third one. I'm going to go cherry. I don't know if she made a third one or not. Those are the two I know for sure. Excellent. But um, there might be a third one. It might be a duplicate of one of the other ones though. Okay. Looking forward to it. I mean, I'm not going to eat the pies because they're not pecan, but um, and I'm, <laughs> I, I'm trying to <laughs> avoid carbs. Trying to. Oh, so no stuffing for you? Oh. Stuffing is my favorite part. I've skipped that for years. 
Oh, I know. That's I know. my absolute favorite. It it's is. My absolute it, favorite. it is really tasty, yeah. but it's probably been since 2016 that I've had that, or no, 2015 that I've had that. Oh, and, and the sandwiches the day after. And you make you make the turkey sandwich with the mayonnaise, and then you put um, you put stuffing on the sandwich, and then you spread um, on one side of the bread you spread uh, cranberry sauce. Man, that's living. That is living. I've never been a fan of cranberry sauce, but you know, if if that's the only thing we can disagree on, then I'm, I'm sure we're <laughs> we're in a pretty good state. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and speaking of. Good items to go out on. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with the wrap up. The email address for the podcast is podcast at barnhart.biz. That's where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, questions, or suggestions for what to do with leftover turkey. Again, that address is podcast at barnhart.biz. And expresses her profound gratitude to her benefactors. And every single day, there's at least one traditional Catholic Latin mass said for all of the benefactors. And then every week, there is a traditional Catholic Latin requiem mass for everybody who died that previous week. Whether you are the wife of a U.S. president or somebody we've never heard of, that mass intention includes you, assuming you died. But you wouldn't be hearing this if you did. Please pray for the priests. Um, I, I, oh, I should have said them in terms of what, who I'm thankful for. Yeah. Because <laughs> without the priests, I mean, we, we can be thankful for the Catholic faith, but we receive the Catholic faith from the priests. And that was something I was going to interject, but you were on a roll, so I didn't. Earlier, talking about... Um, church militant one of the things that always bothered me about them is the insistence on such high quality production which i must sound ironic to some people to hear me say that but when you're talking about television and and the visual medium to do a high quality production you're talking about six figures on the low end seven figures easy to put together a big set the production the post-production all the rest of the stuff video is massively bandwidth intensive yeah you need serious machines to be able to do all the the processing to edit this stuff whereas for audio it's it's pretty easy i mean i, I mentioned that that i need to replace my laptop at some point but it's more than capable of handling audio and i keep going back to saint paul who you know he knew something about catholic faith and how to spread it he said that faith comes by hearing mm-hmm. that ought to be a clue Faith comes yeah. by hearing, not by seeing. And if you want to put together a visual representation to reinforce that, look at Anne's last video, and especially the part where she had to redo it. it it's it's the, yeah. the audio is the more important part there. If there are visuals to help reinforce it, it's reinforcing the audio. We don't need yeah. a $10 million set to get the point across. St. Paul certainly didn't. And, and That's it, right. in terms of being more efficient with the you know, the, the, the parable of the talents and being able to use them and apply them wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't need a hundred thousand dollars to put together, uh, something for audio, especially not in the 2023. No, nope. we can do it with our phones for crying out loud. That's right. Well, the, the, the anti-papacy enough video that, I mean, Rumble is now showing over 200,000 views. So that probably means there's 20,000 or whatever coefficient we're going to use. But It's about 47% but of that is real. 47%. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then we're into the six figures or close to the six figures. Um, that's just done on, on a 
somebody's phone that they carry around in their pocket. I mean, it's it's absolutely astounding. You don't need all kinds of, you don't need the big budget. That's a really good point. Um, and then when you have all of that massively expensive video equipment, and you're doing all that stuff. Well then, yeah, you do need a bunch of salaried employees. And the next thing you know, you've got a million dollar payroll. I'm all in favor of job creation, but uh, but Super Nerd's point is about being a good steward of, of especially donations. Uh, you have a much greater responsibility to, to um, to be prudent with donations, um, which that's all church militant is living off of. Well, that and I didn't, uh, was it you or Nurse Claire who said that they were getting, um, they got the the corona scam loans, didn't they? That might have been Nurse Claire. I wasn't active in the chat today. I was actually okay. in the office okay. today. <laughs> wow, well done. Yep, be a good steward, especially with donations. Well, in, in talking about the technology and the upgrades and everything that's happened over time, I've bought a few microphones and some other audio interfaces. And honestly, at this point, it would be easier for my setup and tear down every time we record to simply have one of the dark chocolate mics. And and that's, uh, for those who don't know, it's a Shure MV7. It is the USB-driven version of the mic I've got right now, which is the uh, SMB7 or SM7B. It's something like that. We'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> it's the one Joe Rogan uses. And, and I shouldn't say just Joe Rogan because it's any number of podcasters and YouTubers where you see a, a microphone of this type, uh, they they all use them. Uh, and it's, it's not because any one particular person thought, hey, that's cool. I want to use it too. It's because the audio engineers who know what they're doing go with this. And it, it's an industry standard. It's been around forever. I mean, the, the other exception would be the um, uh, the RE20. Uh, I forget the name of the company now. Why am I blanking on it? But that that's the Rush Limbaugh microphone. So the, the people yeah. who, who, if you're not using the Shure MB7 or SM7B, you're probably using the um, uh, either the RE20 or one of its cousins. Um, I think Alex Jones forever was using the three, RE320, and there's also an RE87, which is buku expensive and doesn't really give you anything extra um the point the point being is that even what i've invested on, on into my equipment on this side to make it sound good honestly if if i could redo some of this i would just get the same microphone you have although it didn't come out mm -hmm. it came out after we started all the podcasting it, it's easier it's less expensive it gets awesome sound as anybody who's listening can mm -hmm. tell it's basically the same microphone i'm using just with a different interface so where was I going with this? Oh, being to be um, um, thankful for the priests and and, and be a good steward and thankful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know why I got off on a tangent about uh, audio gear from talking about priests, but uh, talking about <laughs> Father Z. Be thankful for the priests. We don't know how much longer we're going to have them available to us, uh, and how much longer we're going to have to try to find them underground, and that's going to be an interesting challenge. Oh, so I mentioned that I, I re-listened to uh, episode ten this morning. One of the things that shocked yeah. me, I'm, I'm I. We, we get to the point where we're wrapping up and I'm looking down at my phone. I was like, wait, there's only 45 seconds left in this podcast. What happened? Did it not download? <laughs> we wrapped up in like 12 seconds. And, and it's like, well, that's true. We didn't used to go through all this. This is, it's, it's like the, it's like the development of the liturgy. It was really simple at first. And as it came out of being um, persecuted, well, we didn't have to go through persecution per se, except my own in a, in a, in a lack of knowledge about how to do this. But uh, throughout the centuries, no, the, the, we got thrown off of. Um, we got what was that um, server that we were on, and we got thrown off. But that didn't affect 
the the structure of the the clothes is what I was getting at. Yeah, it was site five. They true. they kicked us off, but we we, sur- five, we survived. Yeah, yeah. I think we were offline for a whole whopping forty five minutes. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I was going with this is that that I was shocked at how how tight the the close was on on episode ten, and I was thinking I, our wrap ups now might be longer than some of our first five podcasts. Yeah, because <laughs> I think some of those original podcasts were only 20, 30 minutes, and I know Supermom is rolling her eyes right now. It's like get to the point and get it over. So, <laughs> I, I wonder how long the wrap ups will be by the time we get to episode four hundred. We'll do like an introductory an introductory segment, and then it'll be two and a half hours of wrap up. <laughs> I don't think it'll get that bad. I mean, it, the I don't. I'm I'm very tongue in cheek dragging this one out to kind of make a humorous point, but also to be thankful because that that really is what has uh, expanded our our wrap up. And I'm not even to that point yet. Be thankful for the priests. That's the big thing. Be thankful for them because honestly, they're going to get taken away from us one way or another. Yeah. Just ask a priest. How many times have you been tempted to leave the priesthood? They're going to give you a heavy sigh, roll their eyes and say something. I'm not sure. I like to put words in their mouth, but just tell them you're thankful for them and and you appreciate them. And oh, also, and you know what else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for St. Tiny Princess and her prayers for us. That was my next point. Talking about things that didn't exist when the podcast started. Um, she wasn't yep. around yet. I mean, she's always been in, in the mind of God, but um, she was born and lived and then passed into eternity during the duration of the podcast. Uh, St. Tiny Princess, that's my daughter who was with us for just under a year. She had a severe genetic condition and... Um, Never had the chance to commit a sin because she never had the use of reason, but she did receive baptism and confirmation. And now she is face to face with God for all eternity. And there, there have been, um, there have been multiple, did I tell the tiny testimonial about the, um, uh, the person who, who invoked her prayers to, um, convince somebody they knew to not go through with an abortion and they ended up not doing it. And it turns out that the the baby was, I, I want to say there was healthy. If I didn't tell that story, I need to go back, make a make a specific point of going back and getting the details on that and telling it correctly on the next podcast because that Absolutely. was that was one That's of the big. <laughs> that that was one of the specific ones where the person told me I was specifically praying to Saint Tiny Princess and and to wow. intervene and and um, things happened. I don't know, but we'll, we'll have to find out at the last judgment if if she was the one who really made things happen. Or she just give it help to give a push, but you know every little yep. bit helps. It, it's that's how the communion of saints works. We're all in it together, as Father Z says. Absolutely. And talking about Thanksgiving and being thankful for uh, the support of everybody, the Barnhart Podcast is a value for value podcast, which means if you like what you're hearing here and would like to help support it and would like to send some dollars uh, to help support it then you can go to supernerdmedia.com or there should there is a link in the show notes also that take, take you to the same place. And I want to recognize a few donors since the last uh, podcast. V the Mailbox, Rick is back and he says, thank you. Study Steven is back as well, um, which means, has it been a full month since we did our last podcast or just the way the dates fell, I think is, is um, he, he, he has it set up so he has a, a, a bank draft or a bank check goes monthly at a particular time uh, and it happened between the last podcast so i know we mentioned him on the last one but then he gets another one in a row and if we wait i think two weeks we'll mention him again so we'll see <laughs> maybe we'll get get in before that we'll, we'll find out 
And then also Greg, who sent in a, a donation with a note, Deo Gracias. Via the web, which is um, a way to send money electronically, um, Joseph and Thomas sent in a Latin Mass Live donation. Uh, Brendan and Robert also sent donations, but no notes there. Thank you both to all of you. James says, thanks for all you do. Um, wait, is that the same James from the Rick James combination? Is that Rick James, James? I wow. just, I, you know, I just finally realized that because I always put the names on separate lists based on whether it came through the mailbox. I don't know. I don't know if James switched over to the web, in which case maybe the Rick James is back. That's super freaky. Okay. Um, <laughs> continuing via the web. Um, Gosh. <laughs> it's your reaction that makes me laugh all the harder. And I, now I have to try and compose myself. <clears throat> uh, continuing via the web. Monthly Paul. Um, he, he sends the, a note saying, please pray for my daughter's conversion and return to the faith. Absolutely. Prayers on, en route. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen says, thank you for supporting Ann Barnhart's work. Absolutely. And Carl says, thanks Yay. for all you do. I'm glad you and Ann finally patched things up. I was starting to get worried. Um, <laughs> we haven't given, we haven't had that long of a podcast layoff, have we? I don't know. I mean, well, the truth is if we go longer than a week or 10 days, um, I, I think there's suspicions that we're fighting. So. <laughs> well, Carl did put a little smiley face emoji in there. So that, that okay, makes okay, it clear okay. that he's joking. <laughs> And uh, Barbecue Paul sends in a donation and says, in homage for the upcoming episode 200. Great milestone. Have some fun. God bless. Yay. And if you would like to support the podcast or other projects being run by Super Nerd Media, which includes hosting websites for Anne, Nurse Clara, Non-Venny Mark, and several others, head over to supernerdmedia.com for more info about the projects being supported, as well as how to, how to send a donation as well. And again, that email address or that web address is supernerdmedia.com. And at long last, that wraps up my speaking part of this podcast. And now it's to Anne for Matthew 1720. Keep praying, folks, without ceasing and fast twice a week if you can for our fourfold intention called the Matthew 1720 intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope from April of 2005 until his death on December 31st, 2022, and for the, the Petrine Sea in and of itself, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in the state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision, and for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict Ratzinger. Our Lady of Copacabana, Slayer of the Nacho Mama Demon, pray for us. Amen. And until next time when we start our next set of 200 podcasts, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. It'll all go in the memoirs, folks. It'll all go in the memoirs.